It's a privilege for me to be here today. I'm uh, grateful. I never take this sort of thing for, uh, for granted. I preach every week somewhere, in my, somewhere around the world in my life, and it's something I deeply treasure, and I uh, certainly never take it for granted today, being no exception. So thank you, Pastor Craig and Trinity, for having me and the whole team. Um, to be able to share the Word of God is an amazing thing, amen. How many are ready to receive the Word? Uh, that's cool. I'm going um, to pray, and if you're all right, I'm just going to go straight to work as I like to say. Is that okay? Lord, we thank you. You are amazing, Jesus. It's um, The longer I've served you, the more, the more incredible you become to me, Lord. And I thank you for the privilege and the honor it is for all of us to be able to even just breathe. Just that one thing alone, Lord, we cannot breathe without your grace upon our lives. And Lord, I thank you that you are here this morning. Thank you for your presence. And Lord, I pray for every individual, every life, every marriage, Lord, that over the next 30, 40 minutes, Lord, you would help us to receive something from you, that you would help us to see you more clearly, Lord. Those that are in here right now that may be going through a season of trauma, Lord, I thank you that, God, they may see you for who you really are in a fresh way. In your precious name, Lord, I, I need your help. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. I want to turn to the book of Romans, chapter 12. It's a very, well, somewhat famous scripture. If you've been in church life for any amount of time, it's book of Romans, chapter 12. I'm going to read from verse 1. It says this, Therefore, now, really quickly, whenever you see the word therefore in the Bible, it's therefore a reason. So the context of this scripture is found in the previous chapters. Now, I'll explain that in a moment's time, but I just want to say that because sometimes we read scriptures and we don't understand the power of what's going on here because we just read that word, therefore, but we're not sure what happened before what you're reading. Does that make sense? And it says, therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. Paul the Apostle, who penned this, this book of Romans, says, Therefore I urge you. So there's a sense of urgency. There's a sense of... Uh, Paul has this in his spirit. He, he's saying to the church, obviously the church there, but he's also saying to the church at large and bring it right down to Pukekohe. Am I in the right place there? Pukekohe. Bring it right down to here, Pukekohe, this city. God is speaking to us through this scripture saying, listen, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of, in view of God's, of God's mercy. I, I, I remember many, oh, like maybe 13 years ago, maybe 11, 13 years ago, when my children were a lot younger, I had my youngest daughter was probably one, and my son was three, and my oldest daughter might have been around five. And, uh, well, you know, uh, how many parents here? Just give me a wave. There's quite a few of you. You'll understand what I'm saying. Um, you know, at that age, and maybe you're in that season right now, but for those of kids who have grown up, I have three teenagers now. And, but when they were that, that old, uh, it's quite busy. <laughs> Does anyone remember this? It's chaotic, 
It's busy, it's full on, there's never a dull moment in your day and these kids are consuming your time and your energy and, and so much about your life is revolved around shaping these little, these little bundles of joy which can be bundles of nightmare at times and, and we're in the middle of this season with, our, with my wife and I and our three children and, and we were living away from her parents and away from my parents and we had no support network if you like and and I remember when I had, uh, we had some friends come over, uh, they were newly married, and uh, this, this wife was a, a childhood friend of my wife's, whose name is Claire, and uh, have you ever met those people that can have an opinion on everything? <laughs> Maybe you are that person. <laughs> you, you know those people that have an opinion on everything, they kind of, doesn't matter what it is, they've got something to say about that topic. Well, this one day, uh, they came around our house and and we're in the middle of this season. It was it was hectic to say the least. We'd started a ministry, and you know it was just it was a wild time in our lives. And the kids are very young, and and we were uh, well, we were. I better get that right. My wife was preparing dinner because I'm a terrible cook, and I'll never forget because she was preparing dinner and cutting carrots or something, and and my kids are going nuts. Does anyone know what I'm talking about? They're, they're like little demons sometimes, and and uh, you know, you, they're just going crazy. And and my boy Joel, who was about three, he used to get very hangry, like uh, angry, hungry. Does anyone know what I'm talking about? He he would have a meltdown, and I don't know where he got that from. Probably me. <laughs> and uh, he would just literally melt down. We worked, took us a while to work this out. You just feed the kid and he was all good. But he was in one of these moments and Claire's cutting the carrots and preparing dinner and we've got our friends there who are newly married without children and, and uh, Joel's like climbing up like my wife's leg and dragging on her pants and like screaming and like he just, he's like, mom, like help me out here, I'm dying. And, and Claire's just kind of, you know, she's just, chopping the carrots, kids are doing whatever else they're doing and, and she's in the zone. You know what I'm saying, parent? You know, you just don't have time to deal with this right now and I'll never forget a, this lovely, well-meaning friend of ours just looked at Claire and said, you know, you know, this is really not good. You, you should pay attention to your son, like pay attention to Joel. How many know if you want to upset a mother? Come on now, don't look at me like you're all spiritual, son, mums. Come on, do you want to accept the mother? You're just like, you, you, you just touch one of her cubs or you say something about their parenting, you know, their parenting skills and all hell is going to break loose. And, and this lady, like, she was a lovely lady, but she hadn't been through any of this in her life at that point. And she had an opinion and she started to, you know, pontificate to Claire about how she, you know, we knew she was a nanny, like she nannied children. She goes, you know, when I nanny these children and, you know, it's a whole different world nannying a kid than living with one. <laughs> and so this is happening and I could see my wife who's a you know she's a redhead and uh she has a lot of fire trust me and, and she's very choleric like you you know you know most of you never met my wife but you know where you stand with her and uh so i could see fire coming out of her nose and her eyes and steam coming out of her ears and and because her friend's telling her what she shouldn't do as a parent and and i'll never forget because i just went up to my wife and put my hand on her back, you know, just kind of patted her and gave her a bit of a rub to just calm her down because she was about to unleash on this friend of hers. And, and uh, I, I distinctly remember a few years later, these same friends had babies. Because, <laughs> you know, come on now, we all have opinions. And, and people said this to me before we had kids and we fell pregnant with our first. Oh, you're going to know what it's like to be alive. And I used to think, what? 
and then you have a kid, and then you realize, man, you really are alive. <laughs> then, then we had another kid, and they're like, oh, you're really going to know what it's like to be alive. And everyone's got an opinion. And so this lovely couple who, at that point of our life, when they, my, this lady said this stuff to my wife, she hadn't had kids, and several years had gone on, and now she's got a couple of kids. And, and I'll never forget, because she came around home, and uh, she said to Claire, she goes, you know, Claire, I just want to say sorry. <laughs> And Claire forgot about this little event and she said, you remember all those years ago I had that, had that little, you know, gave you some parenting advice? And she goes, I realized that I had no real perspective at that point in my life because now I've got these kids and man, it's a whole different world. I now, I now understand because I can see very, very differently because of the experience that she has had in life. Does, does this make sense? Now Paul is saying in this scripture, he says, in view of... God's mercy. So when you think about our natural world, it's amazing how our view or our perspective can often be shaped by experiences. So her experience at that point and her view, looking at my wife, thinking she's a bad mother because this little boy's tugging on her leg and crying and, and Claire's just seemingly ignoring this kid, her view had changed over time and over experience where now she realized that that perspective or that view that she had at that season of her life has now adjusted because of her experience. Uh, when you think about this in life, Paul's articulating something, saying to you and me, he's saying, listen, in view of God's, God's mercy. Now, the title of my message this morning is exactly that, in view of. Just write those few, few words down, in view of. Because our perspective or our view of life, relationships, our view of God can, can have this potential to unleash the anointing and the favor of God on our lives, but it also has potential to limit what God is wanting to do in and through our lives because what we experience and what we go through can so often shape the way we see, the way we think, and often it can be shaped in a negative way. I know people now that have had an experience and their view of God before this challenging season has now adjusted. In other words, they've taken the level of their faith down to their experience. But we've always got to take our experience up to our level of faith because God, is, as Craig just said so beautifully, He never changes. <laughs> but what happens is we find as we go in life that that our view of things can often change and adjust because of experience, situations, circumstances that we, that we go through. And you even see this happening to, to Jesus. In Mark chapter 6, verse 1. Mark chapter 6, verse 1. It says, Jesus left there and went to his hometown accompanied by his disciples. When the Sabbath came, he began to teach in the synagogue, and many who heard him were amazed. Where did this man get these things? They asked. So he's teaching in a church, synagogue. It's a church building. Probably didn't have amplifiers back then, but he's articulating the word of God. And he's speaking life. And they're saying to each other, where did this man get these things from? What's this wisdom that has been given to him? What are these remarkable miracles he is performing? And then they start to ask these questions. Isn't he the carpenter? Because he's back in his hometown. So they're asking questions. Where did he get the wisdom from? How is he doing these miraculous miracles? And by the way, isn't he, uh, isn't he one of these carpenters? Oh, he's the son of 
Mary. He's the brother of James and Joseph and Judas and Simon. Isn't this, isn't this the son of Mary? Isn't this the brother of all the boys that we know? Isn't this just the guy that we, we grew up with? Aren't even his sisters living here with us? You can read this in the Bible. And they took, the Bible says, they took offense at Jesus. Interesting to note because when you read on in this, this chapter here, you find that Jesus could only perform a few miracles because the Bible says a prophet is without honor in his hometown. Now, what I'm trying to say to you this morning is I believe the, the majority of the town where he grew up missed out on the miracles of Christ because they viewed him from when he used to live with them. They were like, he's just the carpenter. He's just the brother of James and John. He's his sisters, man. We go to the pool with them. We used to, we used to swim with this kid, man. I've seen that guy go to the toilet when he was a baby. He's just that little kid, Jesus. And because of their perspective or their view of Christ, it limited his ability to work miracles in their lives. I wonder, can I ask you this question? Sometimes in our own lives, our view of God can be misplaced. And I wonder sometimes as we go through the storms of life, as we go through the challenges and the seasons we find ourselves in, how our view can be adjusted of who God is and what he is capable of doing. And I want to encourage you in 2019 to understand the power of your perspective that when we get the view right when it comes to God, and Paul says, in view of what? He says, in view of God's mercy. Wow. Why didn't he say anything else? This is interesting to me because Paul wants us to understand that our view of God is a premise, is a platform for us to live our Christian walk. That if we get the view wrong, now can I just talk honestly with you? Even today I was standing down there and I think we were singing the Hillsong, wherever the team went, the Hillsong worship song that we were singing. Um, I was standing there and I started thinking back to when I was, I was a kid. And then when I got saved when I was 17, and how I was just overwhelmed with the, this encounter with God, and it was eyes wide open. Does anyone know what I'm saying? And, and I was full of passion and zeal and hunger for the Word of God, and I was hungry for the presence of God, and I was, I was passionate and committed to, to being in church, and, and not just being in church, but contributing to church, because church is people, so God loves people the church, which is people. So I'm called to be a Christian, so I must love what God loves. And so I was committed to the people of God. And isn't it amazing? As I'm standing down there, and I started thinking about the seasons of my life. And just in a few moments, it just like flashes are coming through my mind where, where I got the perspective wrong. And I got the view wrong because of circumstance, because somebody had hurt me in church. <laughs> Anyone know what I'm talking about? <laughs> Because I'd been hurt by what the pastor said or what he didn't say or what he didn't do to me or, or, or what I expected of somebody else and what I, the expectation I placed on a leader or somebody else, a friend, and because they didn't deliver or maybe they did something, it, it hurt me and I, and I took offense on and I look back on those seasons and how I started to get, got, like literally got the view wrong. I started shifting my perspective and my view became tainted. And what this did was it, it takes out the, the passion. Come on now, you just hang around church life for any amount of time. You'll have opportunity to lose your zeal for the house of God. I'm just talking honestly with you. 
uh, I've been doing this 20 years ministry thing full time and over those years I've seen myself go through seasons and often it's because I've got the view wrong. I've forgotten what it's actually about. I've forgotten the simplicity of what we are all about. It is the mercy of God that keeps me where I am able to live out my life of faith. And this is interesting to me because when you think about those words in view of God's mercy, this is what it means. If you take your notes, write this down. It means taking into account. In view of means this, taking into account in light of, in light of his mercy, in light of his grace, bearing in mind when you have something in your view, in your line of sight, you are keeping it in your mind. You are being very mindful of this thing. Taking into consideration. This is what in view of means. It literally means taking note of. When you have something in your line of sight and your perspective and your view, what Paul says here, in view of God's mercy, you are taking note of. You are being mindful of. You are focusing on the mercy of God. Now, I think the reason this is very important is because if you look at the book of Romans, it reaches a climax at the end of Paul's theology section, what I mean by that is this. In Romans chapter 1 to 11, this is what I call a systematic and thorough look at Christian theology. If you read Romans chapter 1 through to 11, it's why we believe what we believe. It's our theology. It's a systematic and thorough look at it. You, just, you study that book, like go through Romans and read from Romans 1 to 11, you will see why we believe what we believe. It's thorough. It's a systematic look at our, at our theology. But Romans chapter 12 to 16 is a systematic and thorough look at our Christian living. Does that make sense? So 1 to 11 is why we, what we believe. It's like this is why we believe what we believe. Or what we, you know, does that make sense? Like this is, I believe this because... It's our theology. Now we need theology. But 12 to 16 is actually our Christian living. In other words, what we are to do. Because Christianity isn't a spectator sport. <laughs> Give me a wave if you know what I'm talking about. Christianity is not a spectator sport. Building the church is not just you and me turning up on Sunday and walking out and not doing anything until next Sunday. That's not Christianity. So 12 to 16 is a thorough look at our Christian living. And that's why Paul says, I, I want you to get the platform right. I want you to get the premise right. I want you to get the foundation right. Read Romans 1 to 11. It's our theology. But now you get to Romans 12 and he says, okay, in view of all of what I've told you, therefore, Romans 1 to 11, he says, in view of God's mercy, then what are the next words? Let us, not let the pastor... Not let the leader, it says, let us offer our lives as what? As a living, as a living sacrifice. So there, there, now let me bring in the tension here because I, I want to encourage your life this morning, but I also want to challenge you. Maybe you're here today and, and even your Christian living has become somewhat lethargic. Now don't feel condemned. But somewhat you feel like, yeah, man, and the Holy Spirit, I'm going to believe, is even while I preach, is going to touch you and, and even bring conviction to that part of your life because this thing we are a part of, serving Jesus Christ, is going to take everything that you and I have. But if we don't get the premise right and the platform right, we won't last long. Come on now. You're not going to last long in, in Christianity if we don't get the premise and the, 
and the platform right. So Romans 12 begins by showing us that our Christian life is to live in the, in the view of God's mercy as its foundation, the grace of God, and living sacrifices as its structure, obedient faith. <laughs> Let me read, read this out to you. I wrote it down. Under the old covenant, sacrifices secured the mercy of God. Under the new covenant, the mercy of God secures our sacrifice. Did, did you, can I just say that again? See, under the old covenant, was the sacrifices we did secured the mercy of God. But in the new covenant, it's the mercy of God that secures our, our sacrifice. Where we say, look, I, I, want to, I want to lay down my life when it comes to living, serving, giving our lives to the cause of Christ. It's critical that we get the right view. It is in view of all of God's mercy, in view of His grace, in view of His goodness in our lives, in view of the favor of God, in view of how He has poured out His love into our lives. When you and I have this view of how good God has been to us, we cannot help but offer our lives as a living sacrifice. But if our view is distorted or our view is out of whack because of circumstance and situation, what we do is we, we come to church and, and we may give a bit of money, but often it can be done out of a sense of, well, I, I, I got to do it. If I don't do it, maybe God doesn't, doesn't, maybe God's not happy with me. But you can't do this very long without having the right, without having the right premise, without having the right platform. You see, to have the view of God's mercy is, a, is an incredible way to see our Christian faith because of God's goodness and his mercy towards me. I, I want to lay my life down. It, it, nobody's putting pressure on me. Nobody's, you know, all over me to, to try and get me to do this and do that. It, no, no, I, I've, I'm seeing the mercy the mercy of God. So out of this platform and this premise, I've got to lay my life down in 2 Corinthians chapter 9. I'm sure you know this. It's, it's a pretty cool piece of scripture. Chapter 9 verse 6, it says this, Remember, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. Whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion. For God loves a cheerful giver. Those words there, not reluctantly or under compulsion. There's a lot of people that can serve or give under compulsion. But this becomes fatiguing. <laughs> this becomes tiring. That, that's actually what religion is. You know that, right? Religion is basically a whole set of rules that if you and I adhere to, we please God and he's going to be good with us. That's not who God is. The Bible says here, listen, I want you to understand something. Each man, each person should give, but not reluctantly, not under compulsion. Because God loves a, a cheerful giver. You see, when you are in view of God's mercy, there's no reluctance there. There's no compulsion. Come on now, does anyone know? I, I, honestly, I don't have a compulsion. Or oh, I don't feel this, oh man, I, oh, I've got to, oh, geez, I better get to church. By the way, I'm a volunteer in my own church. I'm a pastor, but I don't get paid by my local church. So I'm not telling you this because I get paid by church. I'm all good. I've got to be there Sundays. No, no, I've always volunteered in the church, never taken an income from our local church. 
But I'm not there waking up, oh, man, Jesus, I'm going to go to church today. What's going to happen? Is God going to love me? Will Pastor Craig or Trinity ring me because I wasn't at church and Sunday, so I better go. Oh, man, they're going to be giving. Oh, they want the money again. They've got to give. Oh, Jesus, if I don't give, I better, well, ah, what have I got? Hang on, hang on a minute. Let me just, oh, there you go. There's my 10. You, you give the money, but there's this reluctance. There's this compulsion. You see, if you have the view right, you don't have that spirit. If you have the view right, you don't have the spirit of like, oh, well, I've got to serve in the kids. Oh, man, what do you mean I've got to serve on the door? Do I have to do this? I suppose Johnny asked me, so I think I should do it. No, no, your, your heart is there. Come on now. Because you're aware of how good God has been to you, you're aware of his mercy. And Even this scripture I just read you, I never really understood it for quite a number of years. God loves a cheerful giver. What do you mean he loves a cheerful giver? What's this reluctance and compulsion thing? And I remember a couple of years into my into my marriage. Um, well, I kind of knew this about my wife because we went out for four and a half, five years, but a couple of years into my marriage, we went out to dinner one night and, and uh, we, we would order food and she would, uh, she would like, how do I say this without sounding, her sounding terrible? She'd always want some of my food. <laughs> Does anyone know, any married couple know what I'm talking about? So like I would order something and then she would finish her meal like a lot quicker than I would and then she'd be looking at my meal, lining it up, like, mm, dude. And then she would pester me, can I have some? And this one particular night, a year or two into our marriage, and, and I was kind of a bit over this. I'm like, I'm done. Like, don't hassle me for my food. So we sat down and I said, oh, I'm going to order the steak or whatever it was. And, and she's like, well, I'm going to get this. And I looked at her and I said, listen, um, do not ask me. And I was like, literally in this tone, don't ask me for any of mine. If you want some, I'll buy you the whole thing. But I'm not going to give you any of mine. Like, you eat your meal, and if you want something else, we'll order that whole thing, but you're just not getting any of mine. She's like, yeah, whatever. We eat dinner. Sure enough, she finishes before me. <laughs> and then she starts looking at my plate, looking at my steak. And I, can, I, I knew it was coming, and she's like, can I have a bite? <laughs> and I'm like, no. And she's like, come on, just, Dan, give me a bite. Can I just have a bit of, just cut that little, the little bit off the end there? I'm like, no, I'm not giving you a bite. I told you. I sound really bad, don't I? It's because I am. I'm a sinner, okay, saved by grace. And I'll literally, in this time, I'm like, no, I'm not giving you any. I told you at the start of the meal, you're not getting any of my steak. We'll buy you a whole one. Do you want, I'll order the whole thing right now. For you. I don't want a whole one. I just want a bit of your steak. Just cut the little bit. We're starting to get into an argument. And in the end, out of my sheer frustration, because my wife never gives up on stuff, she just kept going. And at the end of that little discourse we had of you know, arguing, I got my plate and I shoved it across the table and I said, have some. And then she looked at me and this is where I've never been able to understand women. Help me out, men. Don't leave me hanging. She looked at me and said, oh, I don't want any. Oh my Jesus, take me now, Lord. <laughs> 20 years of marriage, I still haven't worked this deal out. Somebody help me out. <laughs> but on the way home, I, you know, she didn't eat that night, like my bit of steak, and I finished it off, and it was pretty quiet in the way home because she was annoyed with me, obviously, and I was irritated with her. And, and uh, I felt the Holy Spirit just say to my heart, Do you know why she didn't want a piece of your steak? And Literally, I'm like, I have no idea. She asked for it so many times. I gave it to her. She didn't take it. She's obviously got issues. <laughs> I'm, I'm saying this in my head to God. I'm not saying it out loud because you say it out loud, that's called stupidity, okay? 
And, uh, and then the Holy Spirit just spoke to my heart and said, no, the reason she didn't want it was because it wasn't from your heart. So she knew, like I gave it, but she knew I didn't want to give it. And then it got me thinking about this scripture here. This is why God says he loves a cheat. Now, the context is about money. I'm not just talking about your money. Are you hearing me this morning? Although money is a very big indicator of our hearts. You know what I'm talking about, right? So the context of the scripture is in relation to finance. But if you look at this across the board, if you look at serving on the door, serving in kids' ministry, coming here, serving, being on the worship team, setting chairs, packing, whatever it may be, you look at any area of our life, what Jesus is saying, what the Bible is saying here, listen, I don't want you to do this if it's out of that spirit of compulsion and reluctance because he knows it's not from the heart. But when it's from our heart, because we have the mercy of God as our perspective, because we are aware and we are taking into mind that God's mercy, like without his mercy, I, des I literally deserve death and judgment and everything that goes with it. But because of his mercy, I now am able to breathe. I mean, it's crazy when you simplify this all the way down to that simple thought and say it is the mercy of God. You see, when you have that as your platform, that's why Paul says, in view of God's mercy, let us offer our lives as a living sacrifice. You see, this is a point of tension because God doesn't want the reluctance or the compulsion because we can do this. I know most of you aren't going to lift your hand up, but most of us can do this. Even when you think about finance, we get all touchy. Oh, well, everyone else gives, I better give and... I mean, I've done this. Literally, I've done this. I'm just being honest with you. I've sat in churches and I've been on the front row, the second, the third, wherever, the back row, and the offering bucket comes past. And I'm like, oh, I better put something in. Somebody's going to be watching. <laughs> I don't want to give. <laughs> Come on now. Is anyone the only sinner here? And I'll throw in whatever I've got and just to, you know, hopefully peace whoever's watching. That's, that's not God saying, listen, don't, don't, don't live like that. Don't, just, I'll go as far as to say this. Keep, keep the money. Don't put it in. Keep it. God doesn't want that attitude or heart. Don't, don't serve if you're going to live out of that compulsion. But when you have the platform of God's mercy, that God has been very merciful to you, you, you are led, you are driven to give your life as a living sacrifice to help other people, right down to the practicalities of building a local church. But it has to be done in the mercy of God as the platform and as the premise for our lives amen and paul chooses these these words you know i think very wisely and appropriately because if you stopped and amongst all of the chaos you might find you might find yourself in from raising a family to maybe having a business to a mortgage to relationships your marriage you think about every context of your life if you just simplify it all the way down and you sit down one day and even today, some of you are going to believe, even as you go to sleep tonight, you start to ponder the mercy of God. Your situation may not change, but something inside of you does. <laughs> I mean, I did this again this morning before coming here. I've got to preach at another church tonight. and I thought about the mercy of God towards me. It's crazy. And all it does in me is want to, like Paul says, I want to offer my life. I want to give my life. 
I want to give my finance. I want to give my time, my energy, my giftings, my talents. I want to give it all because I'm so aware of his mercy towards me. I can't help it. Does this make sense? God's mercy towards us, I'm going to finish with this, is the way to live a lifestyle of mercy. Write this down, from him, through him, to him. If you live your life as a Christian in view of God's mercy, you live a lifestyle of mercy from him, through him, and to him. Because I've already mentioned this one, from him we receive, we receive mercy. Because of him, we receive mercy. Now, you know the difference between mercy and grace? is basically this. Grace and mercy, they're not the same. The difference is God's not punishing us as sins that we deserve. That's mercy. He doesn't punish us because of the sin that we've lived out and what we actually deserve because of that sin. So he pours his mercy out. Come on now. Man, this is crazy right here. Because of our sin, all of us have messed this thing up. All of us have made mistakes. But his mercy towards us, we, we don't get the punishment that we actually deserve. Now, grace is God extending his kindness towards us for things that we don't deserve. Like he gives us his grace. Pastor Craig and I were talking about this this morning. When you think about the mercy of God, you, you, you understand from him comes mercy. The reason I'm pausing there is I I was in Jakarta last year in December on a ministry trip just before Christmas and and I had the privilege to preach at this large thing I was at and but that wasn't really the, the big deal. It was I had the opportunity to lead a Muslim to, to the Lord. Because Indonesia's the largest Muslim population anywhere in the world lives in Indonesia. I used to think it was the Middle East. And I remember going back to the hotel that night and, and it dawned on me because, you know, when you, when you, like I said, when you have the mercy of God as your platform, it means you're taking into account, you're being mindful of, you're bearing in your mind, you're meditating on the mercy of God. And I got back to the hotel that night and in a fresh way, I was meditating on the mercy of God. And I remember sitting there on my bed and quite literally, I ended up on my knees Nobody was around, there was no music, there was no lights, there was no nice screens, no smoke machine, there was no atmosphere being set. It was just a son communicating with his father and expressing my gratitude and I started to go back in my life. Where I thought about when I was a kid and I was seven, I was sexually abused by a next door neighbor. I didn't plan on saying this, but I'm trying to drive home the point of the mercy of God in our lives. Three and a half years, I went through this stuff. It was horrendous, tragic, destroyed my self-esteem. I'm 10 and a half and I'm smoking pot because of the pain on the inside. And 13, I leave home and because I think I know everything. I've got the whole world sorted out. I know everything about the world. Leave my home and I lived hard for the devil, if you like. Just went to town in that whole world and at the end of the day, I was 17 years young. 
completely broken on the inside. Lost. Like destroyed. Self-esteem, self-worth. The lifestyle I was leading was taking me to jail or death. Those are the only two places that I was going. I never forget walking in the church in Sydney, Australia and You know, encounter the mercy of God for the first time in my life. Wow. And in Indonesia, I haven't thought about that for a long time and I sat in that room and I ended up on my knees and I was just taking in the goodness of God. Because from Him, we receive mercy. <laughs> and I know this may sound simple for some of us, but I think we can forget this because we get caught up in the things of the world, get caught up in circumstance, situation. We become jaded from life and this calls us to live with a lethargy and a complacency in our heart and we just kind of come along and we can live lukewarm if you like. And But when we have the mercy of God as our premise, as our platform, we understand from God comes the mercy where if it was without his mercy, I deserve death and judgment and forever without God because that is a hell without God. The second thing is this, through him we live with mercy. From him we receive mercy. Through him we live in mercy. And to him we glorify God for his mercy. It's through God that you live with mercy. In other words, you extend mercy to others in the body of Christ where we don't become judgmental and harsh with other Christians because that happens a lot in the church. It can happen a lot with us because we have human nature. We can live with a lack of mercy towards others. Come on now, our brothers and sisters in, in Christ, we can live without mercy, but from him we understand we receive mercy, but through him we live with mercy. Because God is in us, we start to outwork the mercy of God in our lives. And this is very attractive to people in a world that is full of judgment and hate. We live with this mercy, but to him we also glorify God because of his mercy. And I just wanted to tell you this morning, how's your view going? How's your view of God? How's the premise, the platform of your life for 2019? Maybe your last few years has been hectic. Maybe it has been challenging. Maybe you've had several years of just turmoil and grief. and Maybe you've felt hurt and jaded by the church. Maybe you're tired. I don't know. But I've just come here to tell you that if you can take these simple words that Paul says, therefore, in view of his mercy, let us live our lives as a living sacrifice. That you and I live with a new passion and a new zeal in 2019. That we commit to serving God at deeper levels. We commit to giving our time and our energy to building the church, not because people are up here or trying to whip you into shape and get you moving and come on, come on, you got to go, we got to go. No, not, that's not why you're doing it because it's in view of God's mercy. You're like, man, hey, pastor, I, I've just really been bearing in mind lately just, man, how good God has been to me. And so I want to give of my time and my talents and my gifting. And yes, absolutely, I want to give of my finances to see the church move move forward. But if you don't get the platform right, you don't get the premise right, being his mercy, you may do it for a season. But that's where the compulsion and reluctance kicks in. And 
But as we live with that fresh heart, it says, God, I'm, no matter what happens to me, I'm here. <laughs> I'm going to serve you all the days of my life. Let me tell you this last story. I was in Africa two years ago in Rwanda. I don't know if you know Rwanda. It's a pretty amazing country. I've been there several times. And it's an incredible country. It's been through a lot of turmoil. I don't know if you remember, they had 100 days of people being slaughtered. There was a million people that got slaughtered in 100 days. It's over 10,000 people a day been absolute and when I say slaughtered I can't even describe to you how heinous some of the things that were going down there was because they had these two tribes and it's a whole long history but I I did a bunch of crusades but they asked me to do a pastors and leaders conference and uh, I I actually didn't want to do these pastors and leaders conference I didn't want to do it I said look I'll do the crusade thing but get someone else to do that and they were like, no, 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 they, they, they want to hear from you because when you're a visitor going into that country, they love, for one, for a better word, gringos. They love the overseas guy. And uh, we went to this event and there was probably about 180 pastors and these guys had got churches out in the back of the sticks. And look, the reason I didn't want to do it, I'm just being honest with you, just so you know, is because I just, I don't know, I just didn't want to talk. I just, I didn't really feel like I had anything to say to these people. I wanted them to talk to me because I understood the history of their nation and what they've had to experience and go through. And anyway, we had a lunch break, and I'll never forget was just walking around talking to guys. And, and I sat down with one guy, and um, we got talking through translation because he couldn't speak English, so I couldn't speak their language. And, and I asked a question, and I said, Hey, um, are you married? Got children? And as soon as I asked the question, I was like, Oh, no. Shouldn't have asked that, Dan, but it was too late. I asked the question and because he looked at the ground and then he looked back up at me and he started to articulate through the translator how when that whole civil war broke out in Rwanda, his wife and his three children were killed. But he started to unpack the whole story where he watched his wife who was brutally raped and murdered by five guys. I mean, it was horrendous. And he watched his three children it literally chopped up. It, it's a wild story. And I'm sitting there looking at this man and he's got four churches that he's planted around the backs of Rwanda out in the jungle. And so full of joy. <laughs> so full of like the Holy Spirit was all over this guy. When he's telling me, I'm, I'm losing. I'm trying to keep it together because I live in the Gold Coast. My wife and children still live with me. This is a different world, people. These, these people are doing some crazy things for the kingdom. And here I am just in my mind going through my little life and like I know we shouldn't do this but I was comparing my walk with his walk and I never forget as I asked him at the end of that couple of hours of conversation I said well how are you still serving God like why are you still building the church why are you still discipling loving people and preaching the gospel of Jesus when you've been through such a horrendous thing And I'll never forget as he looked at me and he said, Dan, you have to understand that if it wasn't for God's mercy in my life, I would have nothing and I would spend eternity without him. But one day I will see my wife and children again. But until that day, I'm going to give my life to Jesus because of his mercy and grace he's extended to me. Now, to describe to you how much I was a mess in that moment, it's pretty hard. But I walked away from that, that encounter with God, and you know, I know I was talking to a guy, but God was 
dealing with my heart because I think it's a challenge for us in our Western world. We live in New Zealand, Auckland's one of the most beautiful countries in the world. I live in Australia, one of the greatest countries in the world. We live in beautiful places. You're like, no, you don't, mate. <laughs> Come on now, you know what I'm saying. We live in a very comfortable world. And, and I know I've only been here twice, and most of you probably don't even remember me, but I want to I want to encourage you, I want to challenge you. It, it's weird to me. Now, I'm just talking. I'm not preaching. I'm talking to you just like we're having a convo. It's strange to me how we live in the Western world when it comes to Jesus and the church. We get upset over the weirdest things. Oh, the music's too loud. Oh, there's no air con. The seats are annoying. How come the pastor doesn't say hello to me? Why don't anyone do this? It's just weird, and we get upset and offended, and and then we walk away and we go to another church. This is what we do in the Western world. We, oh, I don't like the children, I don't like this, I don't like that. It's kind of, it's strange. It's a bit weird to me. I'm just being honest. I have these conversations with some of my pastor friends. I don't normally talk about this on the platform. But I think if we just get the view right, honestly, if we get the view right, I'm not going to be offended by Pastor Craig or Trudy or anyone else because my view is, man, God, you have been so unbelievably good to me. I'm not going to get hurt or offended. I'm not going to take this stuff off. I'm going to live a life where my life becomes a sacrifice for the purpose of God because it's in view of His mercy towards me. And when I experience different things around the world, some parts of me are like, maybe that's part of my call is to come back to the church in Australia, New Zealand, and even in the US and shake up the church a little bit to say, hey, how's your view going? How's it going, church? Come on now. We serve the greatest God. His name is called Jesus. He is the only one that can save us, redeem us, set us free. He's the only one that can give us life and hope and purpose. Where even though a guy like that could experience such a heinous crime right before his eyes, it is only the person of Jesus can set somebody free where they understand that without his mercy, I can do nothing and I have nothing. So my prayer for you this year is you may never see me again that you go away from today and it's not just a nice message, but you start to think about your view. Even tonight that you lay down and say, God, man, I'm, there's a lot of stuff going on in my heart that's just really plaguing me, God, but I just, I've got to remember, I've got to remember, help me, Holy Spirit, bring it back to your mercy and your grace that I live out of that platform. And then from that place, we cannot help but give our lives as a living sacrifice in Jesus' name. Would you stand with me? I just want to pray for you. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you for allowing me to just have a bit of a chat. You may not understand what I mean by that. Some places you go to, you just got to preach. <laughs> but I kind of like it here. It's nice. I just get to feel like I just want to have a talk in a little bit of a lounge room. <laughs> you close your eyes. and I know this, like I know, as, as real as the seat that you were just sitting on. I know the Holy Spirit's here. It's not like I need to ask him to come here. I'm not inviting him here because I know he's here because you don't invite somebody that's already in the room. And the Holy Spirit has just been touching people's hearts even while I've been sharing, even through my own frailty as a communicator, the Holy Spirit's been touching your heart. And I just want you to stand there and just think, like try and eliminate the distractions in your heart and the distractions in your mind and start to ponder
ponder his mercy and his grace. We need you, Holy Spirit. I love what Craig said at the start, Lord. He was in the shower. He's saying, God, I, I need you. What a powerful statement. What a powerful way to live. And Holy Spirit, I'm just, I guess I am praying on behalf of all of us, Lord. We need you. Holy Spirit, we need. We are in desperate, desperate need of you. And just like I prayed this morning, Lord, when nobody was around. Holy Spirit, for those of us that are here that are that are plagued by maybe it's a spirit of offense, maybe it's a hurt that's outworking, it's starting to fester in our lives. Maybe it's a sense of, yeah, I'm I'm man, I've lost my passion and my fire for the person of Jesus. Whatever it may be, God, I, I prayed this when nobody is around, but I'm gonna pray it publicly, Holy Spirit. Would you remind us afresh of your mercy? Holy Spirit, would you bring into remembrance your grace, your mercy, that we would live in view of, in view of all of your goodness, in view of your mercy, in view of your grace and your love, that, God, we may live at greater levels and deeper levels in a way that is a sacrifice to our lives, not because we're trying to please you, not because it's out of compulsion or a sense of obligation, but Lord, we're going to give, we're going to serve, we're going to live as a sacrifice at deeper and greater levels because of your mercy. And Lord, I pray that over every life and every situation and those that are going through things, Lord, I'm praying right now that they sense your anointing. Just move through the aisles, Holy Spirit, right where they stand. Just touch them, Lord. Let them sense your anointing. Let them sense your grace. Let them sense your presence right now, the manifest presence of God. Come on, church, can you just open your arms up and if you're okay, the, just open, lift your hands up and why don't you open your mouth and start to express to God. Just tell Him like you love Him. Tell Him you're thankful for Him. And Come on, why don't you open your mouth? Let's just thank God for His grace. We love you, Jesus. We love you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. No one like you, Jesus. The only one, the only way, the only truth. You are the only life. We give our lives to you afresh. We thank you, Jesus. Man, I wish I had better words, Lord, to articulate how wonderful you are. My vocabulary fails miserably. I just want to tell you, you're magnificent, Jesus. We honor you. We thank you for all that you've done. But Lord, we're thanking you for what you're about to do. All that you have ahead for us, Lord. Even the storms, even the challenges, Lord. We're thankful for you. That, Lord, we want to live in a way where we see your mercy and your grace. We're living in that view of taking it to mind, Lord. Pour out your spirit, I pray in Jesus' name. 2019, Lord, may it be our greatest year yet. Lord, a year of growth and forward movement in every area of our lives. We thank you for all that you're about to do, Lord. In your precious name, Jesus, pour out your grace over every household, every life, every marriage, every situation, Lord. May you be truly king and Lord over all that we do. In the wonderful name of Jesus. In the mighty name of Jesus. 
If you believe that, can you maybe say amen or write on or give Jesus a great hand? Come on, let's give him a praise in Jesus' mighty name.